The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Life is all about those pivotal moments, those big life changes when we ask ourselves, why didn't somebody tell me this? I'm TV host and journalist, Abby Huntsman. My best pal, comedy writer, and media producer, Lauren Leeds, and I are going to bring you conversations with some of the most impactful people of our time to learn their life lessons. We'll pull back the curtain on their biggest transitions, how their reality is probably far less perfect than it might appear. And of course, what they wish somebody had told them back when. Check out I Wish Somebody Told Me anywhere you listen to podcasts. We release new episodes every week. Hey, it's Mariana, and welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. In this episode, I've got Katie DeGroot. If you guys know Katie, she's at Katie on Instagram, which is like the best handle ever. But I have loved following her for so long and being a peer in this industry of working together and seeing each other for so many years. So when I first started watching Katie, she was on YouTube. She would do makeup tutorials while she was sitting in her bedroom in her old apartment when she was working at Target. And her life changed when she got this opportunity to move to Los Angeles and become a full-time content creator. I am so fascinated by her career, and then she has turned that into her own apparel company. It's called 30 Years. So if you guys want to hear from Katie, keep listening. And if you haven't tried it yet, Summer Fridays has a new product launch. It is our eye cream. It's amazing. It is called Light Aura. It's a vitamin C and peptide eye cream. It's so instantly brightening and hydrating on the under eye. It wears so well under makeup and concealer, and it's just the best. It's available now at summerfridays.com and at Sephora. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast because I've got new episodes every Tuesday. Now let's hear from Katie. Okay. So I need to know when you started uploading on YouTube, because I have been watching you, well, since you were Lester Lux, but also when you were like in your, before you moved to LA and you were in your, I think it was your bedroom and you would record in front of a window. Yeah. So that was back in our apartment in Oakland. I want to say it was, I, I kept saying five years for a while. I think it's probably been like six, maybe even seven years now, but that was where I, that was when I discovered natural lighting. Like natural light is such a game changer. And that was where I started shooting because it was in our bedroom, which had a sliding door. It had the most natural light. And I used like a white foam board as bounce. So I would like tilt it on the balcony to try and get just a little bit more light in because, you know, the sun started going down early and that was just the best way for me to get the most lighting, especially for a makeup tutorial. You want as much light as possible. And I can't believe I was doing it without any studio lighting before. It's just crazy. Well, now I feel like you guys know how to like fully produce an entire shoot by yourself, which is like, you've definitely learned over the years. I feel like you guys always have like the best lighting, like setup and camera and everything. But like going back before even starting YouTube, how did you even learn how to start doing makeup or like, where did this passion come from? Makeup, I honestly think I like to blame my mom because she wouldn't let me wear makeup until I turned 16. So I was sneaking. I remember in high school, I would go to my friend's house before school and I would like put on mascara, a little bit of glitter on my lids before I would go to school. And then I would wash it off before I went home. So I always like to tell her that she is the reason why I'm so obsessed with makeup now, but that's kind of where it started. And ever since then, I just loved playing with it. I thought it was so much fun. It was such a good form of self-expression and you could just change it up so often because I feel like I'm always changing my mind. One day I want, you know, something super sleek or smoky or like a cat eye. And then the next day you can do something totally natural and have a completely different look, which is always my favorite part about makeup is you could literally switch your entire look from day to day, kind of like with fashion. You can just always switch it up and have a totally different vibe. 
but I just love playing with it. I don't know, you know, there wasn't anyone in my household or anything that I like, you know, got all my makeup tips from. I would kind of watch my mom, but she wasn't crazy into makeup like I was, but I just dove in and I remember going to CVS and this was when NYX had those little colored single eyeshadows, <laughs> like the little cubed ones. Do you remember those? Yes. They were like $3.99 at CVS. And I would, every time they came out with a new color, I was just like, oh my God, I have to have it. So you're just like naturally really good at doing your makeup because I feel like you do such a good job on yourself. Thank you. I guess it was just practice every day. I would play with it. Yeah. And then what were you doing before you started your YouTube channel? I mean, I had quite a few different jobs before I started, but right before I started, I was working at Target. Crazy difference from I then know. to now. I know. So you were working at Target and then in your free time, you were just creating videos and uploading them on YouTube? So I didn't start my actual channel or Instagram for makeup until after I left Target. That was a pretty crazy work schedule being there. And I, I left and I wanted to take like, I was like, let me just take like a month off and just do something that I'm passionate about. And that was when I started my blog. Like it's crazy to say blog with a B now, but I know. So I was just like, I just want to do some like creative writing, take some photos and do something where nobody can tell me what to do. I can do it however I want to do it. And my husband was the one that convinced me to start doing YouTube. I didn't even really know that much about it at the time. He was like, you should post videos. You should post videos. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I'd be on video. Like I've never done it before, but I slowly started, like I built my website. I was just working on it every single day. Like I was so into it. It kind of reminded me of like the MySpace days, you know, when you would code a little bit. So I started doing that and then I just got really into it and I started filming and I just kind of started doing more and more. And that's kind of how it happened in that little time that I took off because I was just going to get another job right after that. So then you're, you started a YouTube channel, you're uploading on there. At what point were you able to do it as a job or like, was there like a video that happened or like, how could you make it a career? So I want to say it was probably about four months after I started posting on YouTube. It just kind of started growing a lot faster than I would have ever expected. And then that was when I was offered a position down in LA to do YouTube full time. And I didn't even know that was a thing. I was just like, what do you mean? I had just gotten a job at Sephora headquarters, which was like my dream job at the time. And that was kind of when I made the move down and I started doing social media full time after that. That's really crazy. Cause I feel like at the time, this is like when you Desi, a handful of people had this opportunity. And I feel like that's not really like the path that you go down now. Like now I feel like you have to like gain a following and then try to get a manager. You like negotiate stuff yourself. So do you feel like you had to make that move to LA to pursue this full-time? I don't think something like that is required. I feel like now people are so much more capable of, and just the awareness and just kind of knowing how to navigate the business. Like you could definitely do it on your own without having like a full management company behind you. But I mean, I think, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I feel like it brought me down to LA and I learned so much out here and I was able to pursue doing it full-time. So. Wow, I don't think it's required to do it. I think at that time, it was definitely a good move. And people were asking, how did you meet Desi? And I think it's like, that's where you guys met, right? Yeah, that's where we met. It's so crazy. Like we've literally, I think I was talking to the other day, like, dude, we've known each other for like six, seven years now. (laughs) 
It's a I long- can't believe it's been that long. I know it's been so long, but I can't like imagine like the duo without you guys. Like I love seeing like the different life phases and all the things you guys have done together. Like even thinking over the years, like the tour that you guys went on, like it seems so crazy. Like that seems like forever ago now though. Yeah. I mean, we've literally like, I feel like we have almost in a way like grown up together. Like obviously it was like more in, into our adult years, but we've gone through so many different phases of life together. It's kind of incredible. So I'm back to tell you about Tiny Lux again, which you guys know that I love. I am so into this brand because it is a personal problem that I needed to fix for myself. And so if you guys are like me, I've tried to get a couple of piercings before. And every time I pierce like my second hole, it just always becomes like irritated or like pain or discomfort. So I end up just letting the hole close because earrings just don't seem to agree with me. Well, if you guys are like me, Tiny Lux is perfect for you. They really created their brand for women to wear jewelry so that they feel confident, stylish, unique, and powerful. Tiny Lux believes that everyone should be able to enjoy that experience of having really cute earrings without the pain. But in a recent poll by Birdie, they found that 65% of responders said that earrings have actually caused pain or discomfort. So that's why Tiny Lux has spent the last three years making earrings that actually work for people with sensitive ears and metal allergies. They have every kind of jewelry style that you could want from tiny huggies and studs to chunky gold hoops. Plus, all of their jewelry is water resistant and can be worn in the shower or at the beach or the gym without changing color. And it's lightweight and affordable. Tiny Lux just launched a virtual ear planning tool called the Ear Stacker. There is nothing else like this on the Internet. You can try out different earring combinations and see what new ear piercings will look like before you buy. The future of earrings is here, so you can build your perfectly curated ear with the Tiny Lux Ear Stacker. Visit tinylux.com to try their new ear stacking tool and take 20% off with code Mariana. That is www.tinilux.com. Reminder to stack irresponsibly. Now let's get back to the episode. So you've been a full-time influencer now. You started with your YouTube channel. You have a brand. You're doing so many things. But if somebody were starting now, they were an aspiring influencer. Do you have any advice for them? Like how to start today, how to get on brands' radars, like anything that you think could be helpful? I would say, I mean, I always say this when people ask, like, how do you get into it? I would say always post or create content that feels genuine and authentic to you and to not, which I think can be difficult for somebody sometimes, because maybe if it's not taking off right away, it can be kind of challenging. But if you see like somebody else doing something and think, okay, I need to do that, that might not necessarily work for you. So to, to follow your genuine path and what you love doing, that's, I think what is going to show through the most that also creating very consistently, I think is very important. And then also being extremely adaptable, I think is probably huge with social media, especially just seeing over the years that it's gone from YouTube to Instagram, to back to YouTube, to Snapchat to back to Instagram. And now it's TikTok. It's like, you kind of have to just go with the flow. And if you're not going to adapt, it's going to be really hard to grow. For sure. And I feel like something you guys do such a great job at is like the actual like production of like the content. Like I love when I see you guys like post on your Instagram stories, like the setup, even like when you were doing like your cooking videos and like all that goes into like creating a piece of content. And so like, what are some of like the things that you guys use now? Cause it's, you've elevated a lot from the days of like a natural light window. Yeah. I mean, we have a whole setup now of like lighting and cameras and everything. And I feel, I do, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like it's kind of gone back to like more 
iPhone based content are kind of like a little bit less produced, especially probably with TikTok. But I would say the lighting is like the most important thing if you're going to invest in something like being able to see what it is that you're doing. Obviously, you know, I started with makeup. So being able to see what it looks like while you're putting it on is pretty important. But having and investing in good lighting, I think is like such a game changer when you're creating content. For sure. And then I feel like you were saying like iPhone, like how people have gone back to this. I don't know what it is. Like for some reason, I feel like people just are more engaged with an iPhone picture, even if it's the exact same photo. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know what happened because I feel like there was a time, I want to say it was probably like three years ago where it was kind of like everybody stepped their game up with their YouTube production or their IG and they were kind of getting these nicer cameras. And then it just, it switched back. Like, I feel like everybody's kind of going back to their iPhone and like, it's kind of, it's crazy because I feel like everybody invested in all this equipment and is getting like these nice cameras. And that's like, oh, well, you know, the iPhone camera is actually pretty good. It really is. Do you have any like iPhone editing apps for like photo or video? Honestly, I started using Splice again because I wasn't using that for a while, but I just use Lightroom for the most part. I feel like Lightroom is so like, once you get the hang of it and you learn how to use it, it's... I feel like it's a game changer. It's really great. It's my favorite like iPhone editing app for pictures. I use it on everything and then I'll go into like another app if I need to, but I don't even really filter anymore. I just like edit a little bit in there and I feel like it has everything you need. Yeah. I mean, filters aren't even a thing as much anymore either. It was kind of (laughs) like, I know it really, yeah, I feel like filters were huge and it was like, I feel like there still is, you know, having a page with an aesthetic, but not so much heavily relying on a filter anymore. I like everything to look very filmy. So it's like, I yeah. like that it's a filter. It's almost like a little bit grainy, like a little bit blurry. It's not so crisp. It looks like, yeah. like a little vibe to it, even though it's not a filter. It's like that aesthetic of photo is what I'm currently into. Yeah. Like a little bit dreamy almost. It takes yeah. you back to like a certain moment. Yeah. Like in high school when I would like use disposable cameras on the weekend. And then on Monday, I would go get them developed at like CVS. I would take the CD, I would put them into my computer. I would upload them to a Facebook album. Like that's the type of photo that I'm taking right now. Exactly. I just got a film camera recently that I love. It's like a little Pentax camera. Oh my gosh. I'm obsessed. Yeah. I have all the gear. Like I feel like if there's a camera or a lens or a light or like a whatever, you guys definitely like have it. And what's so funny too, is like John, you were saying like back in the day, like you didn't know if you wanted to put yourself on camera. I feel like he was like that. And now he like fully is, has his own channel. Oh my gosh. He's so into it now. And there was probably a good three year span where I could not get him to be on my channel, which I, re- I make sure to remind him of every single day. I'm like, Hey, do you remember that like three year span where you just refused to be in any videos? And now he's got his own fully owned page going on, but it's great. <laughs> Okay. So you have a lot going on between content and brand. Do you have a content calendar of like scheduled time to shoot or like, how are you creating content now? Girl, I wish I had a content calendar. I want to be that person. I'm trying to get on a schedule right now of even just having days that I work on brand stuff and days that I work on my own personal stuff, because I feel like you have to have that separation. Or even if it's certain days you work brand stuff, that's like, more business related and then brand stuff, more creative days. Like you kind of have to split it up a little bit more, but right now I'm just kind of getting it in where I can fit it in. (laughs) It's hard. I feel like it's so hard with like brand too. Cause it's like the days when you're, you have production meetings or you're going to like fittings downtown or whatever it is, like you're not getting ready those days and then like also shooting content. So I feel like the days we need to get ready are not the days we're working on like the actual brand and company. Like when I go to the office, I don't look cute. Like I don't want to take a picture of myself. 
Exactly. No, I feel the same way. But sometimes I'm like, oh, we're going downtown. I'm going to get dressed today. So that way I can get some stuff while we're out there because it's, you know, a different scene or whatever. So I'll try and think of, you know, what I have that week and if I can shoot some stuff on certain days while I'm out. But trying to get the balance right, like it is pretty challenging in the beginning, especially when meetings pop up or you have to go, you know, downtown or you have to go do whatever. Like you don't necessarily know what's going to happen day to day. And if you don't live in Los Angeles, like driving downtown is a journey, depending like where you live. <laughs> like it, it takes up like your whole day just to drive there and back for something. It's literally an entire day. <laughs> like it my, truly is. Yeah. Now that everything's kind of, once everything opened back up, it was like an hour 15 to get down there. <gasps> Usually like out a little over an hour back and oh forth. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. So do yeah. you, if you don't have a content calendar, do you at least say like, I want to post on one YouTube video a week or are you just posting like when you can? Right now for YouTube, I'm just doing it when I can and when I feel inspired. And then same thing for like on Instagram. I'm like, you know, this is what I have going on this week. This is what I'd like to shoot. And then I kind of focus it that way. I kind of work backward. And that's been really helpful. I think so too, because I I have a balance of like, okay, I need to get content up, but I also don't want to post stuff just for the sake of posting. Like, exactly. Because I feel like every time you post something, it's a chance for people to also unfollow you or unsubscribe. And so you don't want to put up like crappy content just for the sake of getting it up. Cause then people might be like, Oh, I don't like this. Like, let me unfollow this girl. Exactly. And I think once like when TikTok came out too, it's kind of like that was another platform. So if you're on YouTube and you have to pick between YouTube and TikTok, it's like, okay, well, TikTok, you could do like a 60 second, 30 second video and YouTube. I mean, just filming it, setting up the lighting or whatever. Um, and then the editing, all that stuff, so much more time goes into it rather than a TikTok. So it's, very it's time just, consuming. yeah, it's just like finding the balance of like, okay, what's going to be the focus this week? What do I want to do? And what is going to like, you know, make me feel inspired to actually create that piece of content and then kind of working backward from that. I feel like regardless of like follower size too, when something doesn't perform, we get like a little disappointed, especially if you put so much like effort into something. So how do you handle like when you put so much love into a video and then the views aren't what you hoped it would be? Yeah. You know, that used to like really mess with me. And there was a time where I want to say it was maybe like a year and a half ago where I kind of felt like, you know what, this is like my lane. This is what I should be doing. And I kind of let that guide me. And I started, like, I started to feel it. Like, I was just like, oh, like, I don't know if this is, this is like my path. Like, maybe this isn't the direction I should go in. And then you start to second guess yourself all the time. And it's kind of like this weird, like, mental space that you get in. But once I decide I want to do something, if I love it, I can now post something. And if I love it, I can stand behind that and still be proud of it, regardless of how it performs. And that's a good place to be. (laughs) It's taken me a really long time to get there though. And it's still, you know, it's not perfect. It's not like if I post something and it totally, you know, performs really well that I'm like, oh, who cares? I'm just like, you know what? That's cool. Maybe I won't do something like that again, exactly the same in the future, but I don't beat myself up about it. Like I used to. Yeah. I feel like when you try to, you never know like what will stick. Like maybe you try something new and people like really love it and then you can post more of it. And I feel like I say all the time too, like we're not writing like a book. It's not like it's like printed and you can't change it. Like we're posting stuff on the internet. If you like it, if it does great, great. If you don't, you could always like delete it or archive it or like not do that thing again. But it's great to like experiment and try different things. Exactly. I think that's important too. It's like when you're putting yourself out there because you are like your brand is kind of your personality as a, you know, influencer So when you post something, it's a lot of yourself and it's like, you're going to evolve naturally as a human over time. So, you know, your content might change, your interests might change. And I think it's important to 
to kind of like explore what areas make you happy or bring you joy. And I don't know. I feel like it's cool to do things like that. Even when I follow, follow people and I see them like, oh, that's so not something they would normally post. I think it's interesting. It's like, oh, they're trying something different, you know? Yeah. That's how I felt with you. Like when you started posting, like when you were doing like all of your cooking stuff at home and then when you were like working out a lot and sharing that, and then it was even like the trip that you just went on. Like I loved seeing you guys just like on a vacation and like a different sort of destination. And it's not like beauty focused, but I loved Mm -hmm. seeing you on the trip and then like the TikTok that you did with like the transition and like stepping outside. (laughs) And it was like, I think changing it up sometimes like keeps things really interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you. That was, yeah, it was an amazing trip and it was definitely not like, I don't know, I guess an influencer destination, you know, it's not really somewhere that you go to get a lot of content. I think shifting that myself in my head, I used to be like, I, if I travel, I have to get content. That's like, you know, kind of, yeah, that was kind of the whole point. And I was like, I need to go on a trip for myself and like, you know, just somewhere, you know, for me, it's like relaxing in in nature and getting some fresh air. And I was like, if I don't get anything here, it's okay. But to get to that point, you know, after doing content creation for so long, it's definitely a hard place to get to and to feel okay with it. But it was refreshing. And and when I was there, I actually felt more inspired than if I were to go somewhere that maybe I've already kind of been before, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was stu- like the picture and like the boat in the water. I was like, the color of this water is like, it, it looks unreal. Oh, it was crazy. Let's take a quick break to tell you about Cerebral. Did you know that psychiatrist visits can cost up to $500 per session and then traditional therapy visits are over $100 per session? That can add up to thousands of dollars a year. Well, Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door so you can skip the pharmacy lines and there's unlimited messaging with your care team. So if you have the Cerebral mobile app, it's like having your own personal care team wherever you are. So you can connect with your counselor and therapist on your own schedule through your laptop or the Cerebral mobile app. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you. You don't have to wait weeks to be seen and you can do your sessions on a laptop or phone. So you can always find an area at home where you're most comfortable. So if you are somebody who needs to skip the lines going to a pharmacy or you want to do this in the comfort of your own home, I think this would be perfect for you. And it's also got affordable treatments that are one third the price of traditional therapy. And Simone Biles is their chief impact officer and a huge advocate for mental health and reducing the stigma around it, which is why she loves Cerebral. For listeners of this program, you can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash Mariana. Go to Cerebral.com slash Mariana for 65% off your first month. That's a total of just $30 to get started. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Now let's get back to the episode. Do you think there is a quality or trait that people should have or something important to have when it comes to being an influencer? I would say to be adaptable is something that's really important for how now I feel like it's changing faster than ever before and just kind of evolving from like app to app and like where people are going. It's kind of like, remember when Snapchat just like kind of ended overnight? Yes. It literally was like all of a sudden every day was everyone was on there. And then it was like Instagram stories started. And then it was like, well, we don't need Snapchat anymore. Yeah. It was just crickets. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are really apprehensive about TikTok. And it's just like, I don't know, the more, like the more you just kind of open up and like want to try new things, I feel like the easier it gets. 
rather than trying to be like stubborn or like, oh, I don't want to do that. So I would say being adaptable is really good. And then also just focusing on yourself and and doing what makes you happy and what makes you feel inspired is probably the best way to create content. I know. I feel like the focus on yourself part is so difficult because in a weird way, like we're all peers and coworkers and like, it's a natural thing to like, look at what other people are doing and compare yourself to them. Especially like when we all work with like similar brands or have similar styles or whatever it is. And so it's a really, I feel like there's no other job that's like what we do where you would be friends with your coworkers in this like weird way, but also be comparing yourself because there's like these like actual numbers tied to like what we do. It's like a very weird job. It's a definitely navigate. Like, I feel like it's been navigating a new space for the past like five, six years. It'll be interesting to see, you know, five years from now what that looks like. But it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely been crazy. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. I'm just like, whoa, how did this even happen? Like, when did we get here? (laughs) What's crazy now too, is I feel like I'm getting older, but the newer influencers keep getting like younger and younger, but like we end up going to the same events or like working at the same thing. So as I'm getting older, I keep meeting girls that are like younger and younger. And some of them are like 22 or something. I'm like, oh my God. Like when I refer to something, oh my God, I'm so old. Like I literally have been doing this since you were like a baby. So it's very funny now just seeing like the different types of people, but I love it. And I feel like I love that. I think when we started, we didn't know that being an influencer was a job. And so I feel like we were like just figuring it out as we went, where now like the newer generation, like they aspire to be influencers as a career because they see people like us who have been doing it for so long. And so it's interesting to think now, like we were at the beginning of this, this industry that now will be around forever. Right. I know. And I, I always think about like, you know, TikTokers, like, you know, the dancing TikTokers that are insanely massive now. Anybody that hates on them or is like, oh my God, like, I can't believe you're dancing for a video. Like, that's what you're doing. I'm like, that's, we were taking selfies five, mm-hmm. six, seven years ago. Like, that's kind of like, and people looked at that and was like, oh my God, you're so weird for taking a selfie, you know, and posting a selfie online. Like, you're such a weirdo. And like, you just have to kind of realize like, that's, the next generation is always going to be different. And it's so fascinating to me to see what the next generation's doing rather than trying to fight it. Be like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Like that, like you doing that is now building a career and setting yourself up for the future. Like, I think that's so awesome. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love to see like these really young, successful people. And a lot of them like already starting businesses and doing so much with their platform, oh, yeah. like really taking advantage of the opportunities that they have. And I'm like, these kids, kids, I sound so old. These kids are so smart, but they really, really are. And like, I just love everything they're doing. Okay. Yeah. So influencer life, you now started a brand now too, which I don't know how any of us have time to do like multiple things when like being an influencer and content creator is a full-time job, but 30 years, where did this name come from? So the name came from, I wanted to have like a special name, something that was special to me. And something I've always said, I remember the first time I said it was, you know, let's take a photo because I want to remember this 30 years from now. And then it just, it kind of became its own thing. It was like, oh, so 30 years from now photo, meaning like, you know, this isn't something I'm trying to post on the gram. This isn't like a sleigh photo, but this is like a special memory to me. And that's kind of where the meaning came from or where the brand name came from. So that was something that, you know, inspired the brand as well as something that's meaningful, something that you can hang on to for a long time. And that is, that's where the brand name came from. And then for people who don't know what kind of brand and products you have. 
So our brand is, it's kind of a mix of, you know, athleisure and elevated street style clothing. We do have a lot of unisex pieces, but we also were, we're dipping more into athleisure right now as well. So some more form fitting garments, we have biker shorts, we're working on our leggings and a lot of the inspiration, like just from the stuff that I like to create in color palettes and everything is kind of inspired from, I feel like men's clothing and men's footwear. I always feel like they got really good colors of everything. And I felt like women's stuff, like just didn't come in as cool colors as the men's stuff does. So that's kind of where a lot of the inspiration comes from as well with color palettes. Okay. So I feel like I've gone through like hearing this process from some of my friends that make apparel. I think they don't, people don't realize how difficult it is. Like, do you, did you realize how hard it was once you started down this path? Absolutely not. <laughs> like it's pretty insane. The process of yeah. like, making clothes. It's not, especially like when you're like, you are making your clothes where like another brand might like buy like blanks from somewhere and put a logo on it. Like, but you're really making that. I feel like this process is so difficult and it's expensive because I think people are also used to like fast fashion prices, which is exactly. not what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't think it was going to be easy by no means that I, you know, watching all of my peers and, you know, friends and other people start brands. Like I, by no means that I think it was going to be easy, but definitely more difficult than I anticipated it in terms of like a technical standpoint. Also doing fitted stuff is incredibly challenging and you want it to fit a lot of different people too. You want it to fit a lot of different body types and just doing all of that. And the, the technical side of it is really challenging, but that luckily for me, like I love doing stuff and like, I've always valued functionality and practicality. So doing the fit on everything is the fascinating part to me. And I do love doing that, but it's definitely challenging. How did you even figure out like where to start? Like, did you guys just like start calling, like going places downtown? Cause I feel like a lot of people that are starting businesses are like, I don't even know where to begin. So the way we kind of found our manufacturers and different people that we work with, we I mean, it was just nonstop researching. It was knocking on doors. It was driving around downtown and doing just Google searches, looking around like a lot of places down there. You can just walk down the street and you can find different places like that do cut and so, and you can just look around and see and start asking people questions, take on meetings. Everybody that we found was kind of like somebody that we just came across for the most part. And we went to different trade shows. Like we went to Magic in Las Vegas and we went to a trade show in Long Beach and we knew nothing about, you know, apparel manufacturing and creating apparel from scratch. That was something we had to learn from the ground up. So we just literally went to everything we possibly could. We hit the ground running. (laughs) I feel like a lot of people that have come on my podcast now, that said they didn't know where to start. They all went to trade shows and they were like, these vendors are going to trade shows because they need clients. They need customers. Like they want you to work with them. And so it's the best way to meet the most amount of people in one time without having to like cold call a bunch of places. So I feel like you're another person that's saying like to do this. Yeah. I feel like you just have to go explore. Like that is the only way to do it. And when we went to the trade trade shows, it wasn't necessarily what we thought it was going to be. And we didn't end up finding the people that we're working with now through trade shows, but we learned so much just about, I mean, even if you don't find, okay, this is who I'm going to work with and this is what I want to do. You can sometimes find, oh, well, you know what? That's not actually the path that I want to go down. So I know at least to go in this direction now. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, yeah. I feel like it's really helpful. And it's almost like you start working with one of these vendors and then you ask them for a recommendation for something else. And then everyone just kind of connects you to another person and becomes this like chain reaction of like all the networking between all of these vendors. Oh yeah, 100%. 
So let's talk about those New Year's resolutions. How are yours going? Did you set some intentions for this new year to stay active and take care of yourself? Well, I definitely know that it can be hard when it starts getting a little bit cold out. You know, I live in Los Angeles, but I'm going to be in New York this month and it's a little colder there. And I've been trying to pack and shop for cooler weather because I have this daily goal of each day, like being active and having so many steps to take a day. But I still want to be warm when I'm going outside. So don't let those New Year's fitness goals fade away just because it's cold out. Uh, and don't let your style fade away either because Macy's has the chicest workout looks. They have so many great puffer jackets and shoes to keep you looking and feeling great from head to toe. So if you guys head over to Macy's.com slash the edit, you can try them out. And I'm going to share a few of my favorites with you. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I'm obsessed with tracking my steps and my walks. And so the Apple Watch Series 7 is amazing. I just got this new one and I'm so excited because I can wear this all the time. And it really helps me stay on top of my fitness goals. On the days where I just am not quite motivated to work out or have the energy, putting on a really cute workout outfit just like gets me in the mood. So usually what I do is I'll set it in my bathroom. So I wake up in the morning, I just like immediately put it on. There's this DKNY camo floral print leggings and top. It's like a seven eighth legging, which is perfect if you're petite like me. And there's a really cute pink like half zip and the two of them together just makes me so excited to go work out. I also love a crossbody bag for when I'm going on walks and they have so many cute ones on there. So if you head over to Macy's.com slash the edit, you can find so many great things to stay active this winter. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay, so you guys work on the brand together, which is not new because you had worked together before on the content side. So how are, do you guys split your responsibilities or like what do you and John do differently? John is the most organized, structured person I think I've ever met in my life. And I am more of like an organized chaos type of person. So he is like, he can be sitting on a computer and doing emails all day. If I'm sitting on a computer for longer than like 45 minutes, I start to lose my mind. I'm definitely more of like, you know, printing stuff out, standing, like looking at different color palettes, more of the creative side. And John really takes on like a lot of the accounting, the business, the back end, a lot of the Shopify stuff, a lot of the website management, inventory management. We do all of our own shipping and fulfillment also. Oh my so God. So we have, <laughs> yeah, a we whole have, other thing. Yeah. We got a warehouse and we learned how to do shipping, fulfillment, customer service, literally everything we all do in-house. Oh so, my gosh. That's a lot. That's a lot it's to a do lot. yourself. Yeah, it's a lot to manage, but somehow we do it. <laughs> oh my God. How does it feel now to have that many employees and like people working for you? It's really cool. You know, building up a team, I think is so like, it's so rewarding and like, you know, empowering people to do different things and hiring them, you know, maybe if they don't have experience in one area, but you can see them thrive in it, I think is such a cool experience to have. Okay. So what do you think people would be surprised to know like behind the scenes, like whether it's like your costs or timelines or production or like building the company? I think what a lot of people don't know, because I didn't necessarily know either is how hands-on apparel manufacturing is. Like it's literally made by hand. And I think that attributes a lot to like timelines and how long everything takes and just, you know, all the different factors that go into apparel. I mean, that's huge in terms of like, you know, how long everything takes. Sometimes there's variances between product to product. I don't know. I, I feel like when I buy a piece of clothing now, I appreciate the construction so much more and also how I actually take care of my clothes. <laughs> yes. I stopped, I, I stopped using my dryer like <gasps> almost completely. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I, I got a pair of sweatpants the other day and they were like kind of expensive and I put them in the dryer and now they're too small. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I, can't, I can't do that anymore. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are building your team. You guys have amazing people. I love to see like the behind the scenes videos in the warehouse. Where do you guys post your job listings and what are you guys looking for in new hires? So as of right now, most of our, our team that we've hired have actually been subscribers Oh my God, um, that's cool. so yeah, it's been really cool. So John's been posting it mostly on his social and that's how we, cause we only have two full-time employees right now and we're bringing on our third this week, which is really exciting. Like seeing the team actually grow is pretty cool. So what we look for right now is I feel like I say this for everything, but for somebody to be adaptable one day we could be doing a photo shoot and then the next day we could be packing orders, mm-hmm. you know? And I think when you're a small company, you kind of got to be ready to wear a lot of different hats and just be ready to dive in for whatever's needed. So that I would say is probably like the main thing is to be adaptable and just be down to do, go with the flow and whatever it is we need to do that day. So follow John so you can see job, job from him because that's where you're going (laughs) to find it. Okay. So between work, content, everything, do you feel like you have work-life balance? My goal at the end of 2019 for 2020 was to have work-life balance. And then we started the company and then, you know, everything with COVID happened. And I just kind of threw that out the window, but I accepted the fact that I'll get there one day. And I think now I'm just working towards having a little bit more awareness of what my balance is and what feels good to me and not burning out. Um, I know. It's hard. I feel like the the first few years of summer Fridays, I had no work-life balance because it was like the phase of like, we need to go, go, go. We had a really small team. There's not really that much to delegate when the team is small. And like when you're the founder of the company, you do the very tiny thing and you do like the biggest decisions. So like there's no thing too big or too small for like what we do. And it wasn't really until last year when we started having more people that I could delegate some of the stuff I was doing that I was able to then have balance. But I feel like if you choose to be somebody who has multiple jobs or things on your plate, like something has to give. And so it's like exactly. a little bit of sacrifice for a little bit of time, but in time exactly. it will pay off. Yeah. I, I remember thinking like, oh, you know, I'm eating out all the time. Like, you know, this isn't what I was trying to do this year. And then I took a step back and I'm like, you know, you kind of have to realize if you're pursuing something like this, you're going to have to like, give a little and take a little and and understand that you're probably not going to have balance for a while. And once I accepted that, I was like, okay, well, you know what? I can accept that. So let me just work on areas that I can. Once I did that, I started to feel a lot better. I feel like you make a lot of time for working out though in your routine. Yeah. I haven't worked out in like two weeks now, but, (laughs) but usually I do three to four times a week. Like at least I will try to get that in. And that is usually what keeps me going. Like, I just love working out. And I think if you find that thing that you just really like doing and something that brings you joy, no matter what it is, if you can get that in a few times a week, that's going to keep you soaring through whatever challenges that you're going to be working through. I know. Cause I feel like we need some sort of something outside of work, like some sort of like joy or escape or like something that we can do. That's like outside of just like our job. Even if you love everything that you do all the time, like you love your business and your passions. It's like, we need something that's not work. Oh, you have to, you have to. Okay. Do you ever get overwhelmed? And if you do, how do you deal with it? I get overwhelmed all the time. I think what really helps me is writing everything down like not on my phone. I have to physically write it down, um, writing everything down. And then I just start making lists and I give myself very prioritized lists that I can accomplish each day. And that slowly gets me to where I need to go. Because if I try and look at everything big picture that needs to happen within the next month, 
that is like the quickest way for me to shut down. So I try and just make small prioritized lists and doing that, you feel like you accomplish something. You feel like you're making moves in the right direction. And that's always been really helpful for me. For some reason, seeing it right in front of me, written on a piece of paper, it's like, it's leaving my brain and going somewhere else. I love a physical to-do list. There was like a woman that I used to work for like in my first job and she only looked at her calendar for the day unless there was like something where she needed to be ready for it like the next day later in the week. But like she had so much going on that she could only look at one day at a time. And it was her way of like being able to power through and like just be able to get through it than to feel overwhelmed by this never ending like life to-do list. Yeah. Cause I mean, you could, I mean, technically you could work on it nonstop all day for like three, four or five days in a row, but I mean, that's just not realistic. So being able to have like, okay, once I finish this, then I'm done for the day. And then actually like be done for the day, I think is a huge game changer. And it also makes you more productive in the long run. It does. Do you have any piece of advice or like a quote that someone has told you that's maybe always stuck with you or that you like to live by? I think, you know, something that Dana, the founder of Melt, she told me, I can't remember how many months it was before I launched, but we were just kind of sitting and talking. And I think I was probably venting to her about things that were already going wrong before we had even launched. And she was, she gave me advice and just kind of told me things are always going to go wrong. It's just how you manage it. And that's what makes you better as a company when you grow older. And I think just knowing that like everything's not always going to be perfect and you can prepare as much as you can, but there's just always going to be bumps in the road. And just, it's all about how you manage it and how you move past it. And that has just been really helpful for me. Cause I think I probably could have had like a lot more meltdowns than I, <laughs> there's always something. And I was like asking someone that worked for us. Cause we had an issue with something and I was like, I don't understand. Like, why is this happening? And he's like, every company I've been at big or small, they all have these issues. And the bigger the company gets, the, the problem just gets bigger. It doesn't that the problem, the problems don't go away. And I was like, right. okay, so it's not just us. Like everybody has like stuff, like no company is running perfectly. And I think exactly. that made me feel better too, to just know like we're all going through it. And that's why I think it's great to like share that. So people don't feel like they're like alone in the mistakes or problems that they're dealing with. Exactly. That was like, I was like, oh, okay. And for some reason it just clicked. And now anytime something comes up, I'm like, all right, well, how are we going to navigate through it? What are our mm-hmm. options? And let's just move forward. Definitely. Okay. So last question, where do you see yourself in 30 years? Oh my gosh, full circle. How old will you be 30. then? Oh my gosh. I'm going to be 60. Well, I'm turning 33 this year. So I'll be 63. Oh my goodness. That is old Katie. What are you up to? I mean, hopefully I'm retired by then. Um, I mean, hopefully by then I'll have a family. I'll be retired, really happy, maybe living in the mountains somewhere. Probably have a lot of pets. Hopefully 30 years is still thriving by then. And we have our own, own our own manufacturing, I think would be the goal for us one day too. But I don't know, that's, that's kind of where I see myself in 30 years. Amazing. So where can people follow you and find the brand? Find the brand at 30 years on Instagram, 30years.com. And you can follow me on IG at Katie. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next.